lovely to be here together in, in the house of God, isn't it? And just to worship him together. And thank you, Jenny. You were lovely. Your singing's beautiful. So <laughs> that was lovely this morning. And uh, so to mo- this morning we're talking about healthy thinking. Now, you know, we don't often think about thinking. <laughs> and yet it's something we do constantly, don't we? You know, in all our waking moments, we're thinking. We're thinking thoughts. And, um, and, and sometimes it goes on into the night, especially if we're anxious, or even in our dreams, we're thinking. And quite often, you know, the theme of our dream is something that's been going on in our life or um, something that's, that we need to really um, have a think about in our life. So thought is there all the time and yet as a Christian we often don't think about it. Don't think about what we're thinking about day by day. I, I, I remember at a conference once, I was speaking at the conference and the lady came to me after the conference and at the end of the meeting and she was quite distressed. And uh, we sat down together to talk and she said, you know, she said, I am a really committed Christian. She said, I, I write um, Bible studies for my, for my church so that they can do Bible studies. I lead a Bible study group. She said, I serve as much as I can. I serve the Lord. But she said, you know, she said, as a little girl, I had a very sad life. And she said, but I, I became a Christian as an adult and I've lived for the Lord ever since. And she said, you know, she said, I've never really thought about my thought life. But she said, just now, in this meeting, I've, I've thought about it. And she said, you know, she said, I've come to you to say, well, it doesn't really matter, does it? Like, I've been programmed this way. I, I've, I was born into an unhappy situation. I've had an unhappy childhood. I have unhappy things that are in my life, horrible things that I'd like to forget. And so my thinking won't let me forget those things. They're there. And she said, you please just say it doesn't matter. And I said to her, but it does matter. And God wants you to heal you from those thoughts and wants to give you a different way of thinking. And, you know, she said, I've never been bothered by it before. And I said, but now the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on it and saying, hey, I want to heal you. I want to make your thoughts healthy thoughts. I want to change you because you're my daughter and I love you and I want you to be changed. She said, I don't even know how to go about it. I said, that's all right, the Holy Spirit does. So I said, we'll pray about it. And I said, I'll keep in touch with you, which I've done forever since. And we've kept in touch together. And she has learnt that the Lord Jesus wants her to think healthily. And yeah, you know, we're a work in progress. It doesn't happen overnight. And so if you're struggling this morning with similar things, don't worry. The Holy Spirit wants to make you a new person in Jesus Christ. Sometimes that takes a lifetime. 
<laughs> but he continues to do it and he continues to be patient and work at it. And we're to be patient to work at it too. And that person, that lady has been a great blessing to many other people. So we can be a blessing to others too. Now, you know, I just had the verse Philippians 4.8 and if my boys were here, they'd laugh and say, oh, mum on her, on her hobby horse once again. <laughs> when they were teenagers, I had it on my fridge, our fridge in big letters, you know. And in fact, when Tim um, went to join the Presbyterian Church at Winterlee, his pastor there said to Tim one day, what's the verse you remember most from when you were young? He said, Philippians 4, 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are lovely. And, um, and, and so, you see, it's been very part of our life. And it's got to be because um, that's why I'm starting off with, and I've, I hope you all got a little sheep from out the front. If you didn't get a little sheep from out the front, I want you just to take it home afterwards. Um, they're, they're there. I think there's still more out there. Um, healthy thinking. And... I, I wanted to go through some healthy thinking that, um, that, that can help us, not just Philippians 4 8. I'll, I'll, that'll be the climax, as the boys would say. <laughs> now, you know, I came in here yesterday to do the flowers, and, and all the artistic things were around. And um, I picked up one of their artistic little little booklets and I loved the little quotes that were in it. And one of the little quotes I've got here, and it says, Aren't all people drawn to true beauty? Isn't it a kind of universal yearning? And yes, it is, because you know we're made in the image of God. And because we're made in the... You know, we say that, oh, we're made in the image of God. But what does it mean? It means that he's given us some gifts that other people haven't got. We've got the gift of communication. We've got the gift of thinking. We've got lots of other gifts too, but they're the ones I'm going to especially... um, He's given us... And the gift of creativity. They're all because we're made in the image of God, that we have those gifts. And so that's why we're drawn to true beauty. Isn't it a kind of universal yearning? Yes, it is, because we're all made in the, in, in the image of God. Whether it's great music, art, architecture or nature or literature, humankind recognises the intrinsic and spiritual value of beauty. Little wonder then that Tom Wright identifies it as an expression of the world to come. We are drawn so powerfully to beauty and unwittingly then to the God of all beauty. Beauty points us to Jesus. And, uh, and so I want to then talk about um, being made in the image of God and what it means. So first of all, what's our thought life without God? It's, and, and the Bible is very direct about what our thought life is without God. In Genesis chapter 6, right at the beginning of mankind... It says, now I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I'm sorry I didn't do a PowerPoint this week. It's been a very busy week with grandchildren and all that. Um, when the Lord, and, and verse 5 of chapter 6, it says, When the Lord God saw the extent of human wickedness and that the trend and direction of, God's, of men's thoughts were only towards evil, 
I'll read that again. The trend and direction of men's thoughts were only towards evil. He was sorry he had made them. It broke his heart. Isn't that sad? God saw that the, that the inclination of our hearts was always towards evil. Yeah, you know, um, that's why we're so prone to like tragedies rather than joyful news. Uh, rather, and you know, to like about the murders on the television rather than the sweet things that happen. Because our inclination is always towards evil. That's our heart. Psalm 10.4 tells us that in all people's thoughts there's no room for God. We, don't, we, we think we can do quite nicely ourselves, thanks very much. And Isaiah 59.2-7 gives you a great big long session on, our, on, on what men's thoughts are like. And I'll just read you a bit of it. The trouble is that your sins have cut you off from God because um, you spend your time and energy in spinning evil plans which end up in deadly actions. You cheat and change everyone. Everything you do is filled with sin. Violence is your trademark. Your feet run to do evil and rush to murder. Your thoughts are only of sinning. And wherever you go, you leave behind a trail of misery. (laughs) That's very nice, isn't it? That's mankind without God. And that's what we can be like if we don't um, do something about healthy thinking. 1 Corinthians 3.20 reminds us that even the humanly wise have futile thoughts. So even, um, yeah. And then in Mark 7.20 we have... um, I've got them all written down here in this. Mark 7.20, we have the Lord Jesus talking. He's talking to his disciples and he said, It is the thought life that pollutes. For within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts of lust, theft, murder, adultery, on and on and on. But notice the first thing. It is the thought life that pollutes us. We think first, then there's the action. And so if our thought life isn't healthy, then there's going to be bad actions. And, um, and it's so very true for young people. Um, and, and there are so many temptations out there today for our young people with the internet and, and um, pornography being so easy to get to. We need to look at God's word and see that it is the thought life that pollutes. So we need to... T- to Make sure that we know what it is to think healthily. And Romans chapter 1, remember, tells us all about how um, man's always thinking of new ways of sinning and, uh, and, and how we've turned away from God. But what about God in all this? What are God's thoughts like? Well, Psalm 92.5 tells us that God's ways are amazing and that God's thoughts are profound. And, you know, we just have to look at a Louis Giglio um, DVD to see how amazing God is, isn't it? And, you know, Stephen Hawking, that amazing man with that genius brain who says he can't believe in a personal God because a personal God would be too busy, too big to actually think about us. And yet, you know, he does. Yeah. And so... 
God's thoughts are profound and Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 tells us that God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. And you know, isn't that right, that God's thoughts are like that, that they're beyond our thinking? Even though we get frustrated at it at times because we can't understand what God is doing. And why would we want a God who we could understand what he was doing all the time? We want a God who is beyond us and beyond our ability of thinking. And so we have a God who's like that. But, you know, although he's so high and and mighty and wonderful, he is a God who's got everything in his control. And wow, isn't that good to know that when you look at the news today, when you look at North Korea and you look at China and you look at Russia and you look at the Western world and you think, my goodness, we're in a mess. And yet in Isaiah 14, 24, it reminds us So, look, I've written all these down so that you can go home and look for them yourself because it's really helped me this week to really look at what um, what, uh, God's thoughts, our thoughts and what he wants our healthy thinking to be like. So when we look at um, Isaiah 14, 24 to 27, it talks about, let me see, it talks about how um, God is in control of everything that's happening in this world. He's planned it. He says, um, 24, 14. I've got got 24 instead of 14. So we look at Isaiah 14 and it says there, here we go. Um... Yes, so he says, this is my plan for the whole earth. This is what I've thought out. I will do it by my mighty power that reaches everywhere around the world. The Lord, the God of battle, has spoken. Who can change his plans? When his hands moves, who can stop him? So when you think about all those people who are trying hard to be in control of our world, don't forget, God is in control. He's planned it all. He's planned all the things that, uh, that, that will happen and yes, he knows man's thoughts and he knows that they're evil continually but he's on top of it and he will work out his purposes for this world. Then we come to that beautiful verse in Isaiah which says that his thoughts are always towards us. That a, a, My mother can forget her child but he'll never forget us and that he has tattooed us our names on the palm of his hand. Isn't that lovely? To know that God never forgets us, that his thoughts are always towards us. And Psalm 139 is another lovely one. I haven't written that one down there, but Psalm 139 reminds us that God's in control of our lives. He's thought about it. He's even thought about each one of us individually. I mean, to me, that's absolutely awe-inspiring that he's written out our life story before it even began. So he knew about the sad childhoods. He knew about the sexual abuse. He knew about the terrible things that would happen and he cries for us over those things. But he knows that he has a plan for us, a beautiful plan, and he wants us to follow that plan. And then, you know, he thought about it right from the foundation of the world, the triune God organised about our salvation and about the Lord Jesus coming and dying on the cross for us. It was worked out before the foundation of the world. And Isaiah 59, 
15 to 17 always also reminds us of that, that um, where, we, um, where I was reading before that, therefore um, the Lord saw all the evil and was displeased to find that no steps were taken against him. Therefore he himself stepped in to save you through his mighty power. Isn't that lovely? He stepped in and did it. So his thoughts are towards us. This great God who has such profound thoughts thinks about each one of us individually because each one of us is unique and precious to God and he loves us and he knows all about us and and he has us tattooed on his hand. And then there's other references. There's Jeremiah 29.11 which says that he's got plans for a future and a hope for each one of us. Psalm 139.17 which tells us about how precious are his thoughts to us, how great is the sum of them. And Malachi 3.16 and 17 that he has a book of remembrance for those of us who, are, who, who talk together about him and remember him, that he has a book of remembrance and he writes it down so that when we talk about him, he's, he, it lo- he loves it. He loves to hear us talking about him and, and saying how much we love him. And, and even when we're confused or, or, you know, when we've got questions, um, that, that we can talk about it and talk about him and he has that book of remembrance and he says, they shall be mine in that day when I make up my jewels. Isn't that lovely? So how do we control our thought life? Now we come to the Philippians 4 bit. And, um, and so we'll look at Philippians chapter 4. Oh, no, there's one verse I've forgotten that I haven't written, that I haven't told you, which I think is just one of the most beautiful verses and I hadn't really um, thought about it before. Isaiah 4:13, which says, For you are dealing with God, the one who formed the mountains and made the winds and knows your every thought. He turns the morning to darkness and crushes down the mountains underneath his feet. Jehovah, the Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. This mighty God who makes the mountains, our beautiful mountains here, they're only little hills compared to other mountains, but we love them. (laughs) And he made the winds, and he knows your every thought. That can be a little bit disturbing as we turn to Philippians chapter 4. Very disturbing that he knows our every thought. So although you mightn't be thinking about what you're thinking about, (laughs) the Lord knows, he knows what you're thinking about. He knows what you're thinking. So let's look at Philippians 4, if you've got it. Otherwise, I'm reading out of the new, um, the, the, what is it called? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's it. (laughs) Okay, Philippians chapter 4. And I want to start at verse 4 and it says, and and this is in um, this translation, Always be full of joy in the Lord. Again I say rejoice. So to start off having a controlled thought life, I think we have to start there. We have to start with praising the Lord and rejoicing in him. Now you say to me, Mary, that sounds all very fine, but how can we do that when we have terrible things that come up in our life? How can we rejoice every day in the Lord? Now I've 
This book has meant so much in my life, evidence not seen. It's the story of Darlene Debla Rose, who's an American girl who ended up living in Australia. She's died now. But in the Second World War, she was a prisoner of war in Burma and she was a prisoner of war to the Japanese. She and her husband, who were missionaries in that country, not Burma, Borneo, um, they were missionaries in Borneo, they were missionaries in New Guinea and then Borneo. And, um, and so when the Japanese came and took over the country, the island, um, her husband was taken away to one prisoner of war camp and she was taken to another. I just wanted to read to you about rejoicing in the Lord. She, now, this is what I mean about rejoicing. You know, you don't have to be ha, ha, ha. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a different kind of rejoicing. In our world today, they talk about happiness. And happiness is circumstantial. It depends upon how you're feeling and it depends upon what's happening in your life. And, if it's circ- and so it's very circumstantial. But joy is relational. That's the difference. And you might say, well, I have no one in my family that I can relate to, no one that I actually relate to, but you do have Jesus. And that's the relational thing that I'm talking about today. We have Jesus. And so how can you rejoice? Okay, here the Japanese had just arrived at the mission station and were rounding them all up. So Russell, her husband, leaned over the tailboard of the truck he'd been put in and very quietly said to me, Remember one thing, dear. God said that he would never leave us nor forsake us. The truck started with a jerk and disappeared down the road. I never saw my husband again. He died in the prisoner of war camp. It was Friday the 13th, the 13th of March, 1942. I have a bit of Irish in me, but I'm not at all superstitious. I really do believe, Romans 8:28, all things work together for good. We don't find it difficult to repeat the verse and say we believe it when all things are going well. But when we find ourselves going through deep waters, confronted by trials we don't understand, can we then say, I believe that all things work together for good? At that moment I couldn't. Everything had happened so fast and without the slightest warning. Russell had said, he will never leave us nor forsake us. No? What about now, Lord? This was one of the times when I thought God had left me, that he'd forsaken me. I was to discover, however, that when I took my eyes off the circumstances that were overwhelming me, over which I had no control, and looked up, my Lord was there standing on the parapet of heaven, looking down at Darlene. Deep in my heart he whispered, I'm here. Even when you don't see me, I'm here. Never for a moment are you out of my sight. And I give unto you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Isaiah 61.3. That is the joy I'm talking about. The joy of knowing that the Lord Jesus is there for you in the midst of that trial, in the midst of what you're going through, in the midst of everything. And we can rejoice. 
our heart kind of, even though we're, you know, and I'm sure she, Darlene was, just absolutely, oh, Lord, what's going to happen now? And it, terrible things happened, dreadful things happened. But through it all, the Lord Jesus never left her nor forsook her and she discovered that to be true. So that's the first thing that we need to do. We need to rejoice that God is there with us all the time. He's there and we can thank him for that. And then it says, let everyone see that you are unselfish and considerate in all you do. (laughs) That sounds so lovely, doesn't it? Sounds the Christian ideal. But you know how often we fail at being the Christian ideal and I'm certainly the, the best one at doing that. I fail. And um, in one of the commentaries I read it said, let you be known for a sweet reasonableness about your life. Now you know as Christians we're not sometimes quite very good at that, especially when it comes to something in a committee meeting or a business meeting that we think, oh my goodness gracious. And um, I've been as bad as anyone else at that. And we don't know anything about being, having that sweet reasonableness. We should have that written up perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) To have a sweet reasonableness with each other. And so often, you know, we find it so easy to be mad at each other or to think, oh gosh, rubs me up the wrong way. Let's have that sweet reasonableness because if we don't have that, we can't even start with healthy thinking. So we've got to practice, practice it. And the Lord knows we're practicing it. We've got big L's on us. And, um, and so we need to continue having those big L's on and keep on striving to be unselfish and considerate in what we do. Remember that the Lord, well it says here in, in, in this translation, remember that the Lord is coming soon. And yes, it's good to remember that the Lord is coming soon, that one day he's going to come down from those heavens and everybody's knee is going to bow before him. But also remember that the Lord is near, that the Lord is near you when you're being inconsiderate and unkind that the Lord is near you when you're saying those nasty things about other people or thinking those nasty thoughts. So just remember. <laughs> and then we go, it goes on and it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Now look, I'm not making light about worry because um, in our world today, with all the stress that's going on, there are many, many people who struggle with anxiety and, having, and working in a mental health unit, I know that that is a very big thing in people's lives and I'm not saying because you're a Christian you shouldn't have any anxieties. Of course we have anxieties. Of course we struggle with anxiousness and, and, um, and sometimes there's big reasons why we have anxieties. But what does the Bible say? Don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. We tend to worry and forget about the prayer. The prayer goes out the window because we're worrying so much. But what the Lord is saying to you, I know you're going to worry. He's not chiding us for, the, for, for perhaps having an anxiety, having an anxiety illness or, or chiding us for being anxious about children who perhaps walked away from the Lord or 
things that have happened in our life that make us anxious. But you know, do we pray about everything? Do we take it to the Lord and just share with him? You know, often people say when we pray together at the hospital, they'll say, I'll say, do you want to pray? And they'll say, I don't know how to. And I say, well, you're talking to me, aren't you? Yes. I said, well, now, you just talk to, to God like you're talking to me. Let's just talk to God together. And so quite often we do. And you know it's such a blessing to me when people do that because together, you know, we, we just take it all and leave it before the Lord. And that's what the Lord wants us to do with our lives every day. Take the things that are worrying us and concerning us to him and leave it at his feet. Tell him about it. And you know, you don't have to just stop there. I mean, it's, it's important to have that time when you just get down on your knees or, or sit in your chair and pray and talk to the Lord. But during the day, you can share with the Lord all the time. And that's the lovely thing when, um, to, to train yourself to keep on talking to the Lord throughout the day. Keep on telling him things. And um, keep on asking him things or just sharing the beauty. Golly, Lord, look at those beautiful leaves. Thank you, Lord, for those beautiful leaves. Thank you, Lord, for your beauty and the things that you do in our lives that are beautiful. And then it says, um, instead pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. And isn't that important to thank God for the answers that he brings into our lives? And, um, and, you know, sometimes we don't think about that, but our home group had a little journal and I was keeping it for a while. And just the other day I went through it of, of um, prayer needs and when we asked, um, we haven't done it lately, we've got to start doing it again. Um, yeah, so when people had a prayer point, we'd write them down and then we had on the other page answers. Well, I just went through the other day and I saw that God had answered all these prayers. Perhaps not in the way we wanted, but he'd answered them. And so I looked at that and I thought, gosh, yes, Lord, you answered those prayers. And so I, I, I just say, what about a prayer journal? Get a prayer journal and start. And if you're finding it really hard to control your thoughts and to, and to pray, Get a prayer journal and write things down and then have a, have a margin, have a middle of the page and have a mar- place where you can write the answers down and, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done, <laughs> as the old hymn says. So, um, yeah, so we're to, we're to pray about him and we're to thank God for what he's done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace. Now, if you do this, you will experience God's peace. You won't experience God's peace if you don't do those things. If you don't um, pray, if you don't commit your anxieties to him in prayer, if you don't bring yourself to him and say, Lord, you know I'm a selfish rotter at times, but help me to learn to be more like Jesus. And as you do that, God's peace will fill your heart. His peace will fill your heart. It's far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. And that's what um, Darlene goes on to say. She says that her quietness and peace filled her heart, even though she was trucked off in a truck to a women's um, prisoner of war camp. And, um, and then 
And now, brothers, as I close this letter, let me say this one more thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine, good things in others. And look, that is such a beautiful verse. You know, those things that are written down there, true and good and right and noble and lovely, they're just virtues that the whole world appreciates. It's not like the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. It's, it's not the fruits of the Spirit. It is common human virtues. And that is what God says we are to think about and to fix our mind on. And you know, you know when you go and turn on the television to something dirty. You know, God says to you, hey, turn that off. Turn that rubbish off. But sometimes our evil mind says, well, I just want to see what went on, whether their marriage all fell apart and whether that she went off with that other man. God says, keep away from that rubbish. Put your mind on things that are pure and good. And I'm not saying just read Christian novels and Christian books. I am the greatest fanatic for reading. <laughs> and I read and read and read, as my husband will tell you. Even in the bath I read. So, um, but I think when you read or when you watch or when you do those kind of things, make sure it's something beautiful and lovely. And sometimes I'll start a book and say, no, Lord, this is rubbish and I'm not going to read it. It's badly written and it's, and, and it's just full of filth. And so make a conscious decision not to do those things that are going to turn you away from thinking God's way. And make a conscious decision to do what is true and right and lovely and artistic and all the, uh, you know, the beautiful artists of the world and the beautiful um, musicians of the world. All those things that are beautiful and lovely, God put there for us to enjoy and he wants us to enjoy them. So let's learn to enjoy them today and let's really make a pact with God that we're going to watch what we think about each day, that we're really going to watch each day and think about our thought processes. And when we start thinking ugly thoughts or thinking nasty thoughts about other people or let's consciously turn that thought off and try and pray for that person and say, Lord, help me to be kind and loving to that person. You know, um, it says in, in Psalms to meditate on God's word and today in, in our society people are very much into meditation very much so in the mental health unit as well. Sometimes what we uh, meditate on, to me, is foolish. And, um, and uh, quite often at the mental health unit it'll be something like, you are lovely, you are sweet, you love yourself. And I think, oh my goodness, I can't stand it. So at the end of the meditation, um, the, the nurse will say, what did you think about that? To the patients and everybody sits there and so I'll say well if they're like me they'll be very angry and um and she'll say oh why why it's basically and I said well we're here because quite often we don't think we're very lovely 
And quite often we don't think that life is a bed of roses. And quite often we don't think um, things are sweet. Oh, no, no, that's right. Mm. But do you know, there was, um, I just heard on the radio just recently that there was a, a scientist who started, who, who a doctors um, tried to think how they could help people with migraines. And so they thought that meditation would help migraines. So they got one lot of people to meditate on the sand is smooth. Other people to meditate on God loves me. And other people to meditate on um, I am good. The people who meditated on those two things didn't get helped at all. The people who meditated on God loves me had a reduction in their migraines and a reduction in their medication. They weren't Christians, they were just people meditating. So that shows how, and that was on the wireless. Of course they laughed at it, but it was research and, um, and so it shows that just meditating on God's word can be a blessing and a healing to our souls. And let us learn to be people who are thoughtful about our thinking habits. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you thought about us, that you cared enough to come to this earth and to die on a cross so that we could have everlasting life. And Lord Jesus, we do thank you that we can become more like you in our daily walk We want to, Lord. We know that we fail. We ask that you'll teach us to be more like Jesus in our thinking, in our actions.